This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Voices of Experience, the official podcast of the National Speakers Association. I'm your host, technology strategist and futurist, Crystal Washington. Are you wanting to grow your business but wonder if speaking at a discount for super associations, that is associations of planners, is the right move? Or would you like to be in demand internationally? On today's episode, All Around the World, we have the perfect guest to answer your questions. Dr. Helen Turnbull and Beth Ziesness are here to help. Let's get started. On this segment of Voices of Experience, you're in for a real treat because Our next guest, Dr. Helen Turnbull, is one of 33 people in the entire world who are a global speaking fellow. Welcome to Voices of Experience, Dr. Helen. Thank you, Crystal. Delighted to be here. Now, what is a global speaking fellow? It is somebody who has won the award from the Global Speaking Federation and recognized as as a speaker who speaks globally, but not just once or twice. You have to actually fill out quite rigorous paperwork to demonstrate that you've spoken in more than, I believe it's 22 countries. 22. In nine different regions of the world. So you can speak in two countries in each region, but you have to be able to demonstrate that you've actually that you actually are a global speaker, and that you didn't just have one key engagement in London <laughs> and call yourself a global speaker. So that is amazing that you've spoken that much around the world, and so that's why it is so exciting that you're here with us today to teach us a little bit more about international speaking engagements, because so many speakers are interested in speaking around the globe. But a lot of us don't know where to start. My first question is, you mentioned the Global Speakers Federation. Now, we're all members, or this podcast is for the National Speakers Association. What is the relationship between the two? So the National Speakers Association is really centered in in the United States and in the different countries. People wanted to be be a part of it, and they are. NSC is the umbrella organization. The Global Speaking Federation represents different countries in the world. So Canada has has their own uh, version of GSF. In Asia, I believe, in the UK, and in different parts of the world, there are chapters of GSF very active chapters, very enthusiastic chapters Mm -hmm. who want to represent their own country and their own culture. I have um, six million air miles from traveling all over the world speaking. Um, That's uh, amazing when I look back at that, but it also takes, you pay a price for that because you spend your life sleeping in hotels and sitting on airplane seats. Well, and and the, the listeners can't see me right now, but they don't know that I almost fell out of my chair when you said six million miles. That is amazing. So I guess then my next question for you would be, 
What is the first step a speaker who wants to book more international engagement should take? The way I got international speaking Mm -hmm. is, well, first of all, I have to acknowledge that I'm originally from the UK. Okay. And I was speaking internationally in Europe Mm -hmm. before I came to live in America. Mm -hmm. But um, it was having content. It was having specific content that clients wanted Mm -hmm. and they were willing to pay to bring me over. So I think just um, believing that you want to be a global speaker is not enough. Okay. You have to bring something to the table. That's not new because we all know that we need to bring something more than just our wonderful personalities to the speaking engagement. But I do believe if you have rich content, Mm -hmm. then, then you can speak internationally and have credibility. Now, that leads us to our next question. We're talking about content because tell me if this has been your experience. I know in my experience in traveling overseas, the level of content requested is different in different places. And so um, are you finding that some places are a little less about the entertainment factor or or what what is your experience? Yes, I I would say that uh, most uh, countries in the world look for content over entertainment. Okay. Although I did hear recently, I I want to say it was Sweden, and I think it was our NSA International Day that... um, I think it was Sweden who said, if you don't provide dinner, we stop listening to you. <laughs> and, so, and so we have to pay attention to the cultural norms. But mm-hmm. I do believe that's important, that you can't go to another country and assume that your unconscious biases and your assumptions are mm-hmm. that they're going to do it the way I'm used to doing it. You really have to do your homework. Mm-hmm. You can, I would recommend not trying to tell jokes if you're not genuinely a humorist or okay. if you're not Jeannie Robertson. Okay. Um, I would recommend doing your homework okay. and really understanding what your audience expects. Okay. Because my in Britain, um, where I'm from, in the UK, we don't give standing ovations very often. Right. Uh, a lot of circumspection. I mean, we might like what you're doing, right. but we're not going to be on our feet applauding. Okay. And if your assumption is, if I don't get a standing ovation or an amazing smiley sheet, then you didn't like me. <laughs> okay. uh, so we, we really have to understand the audience. Okay. And what they want. Now, I think it was interesting what you said about humor and and being very careful with that. Would you say even if you were a humorist that you have to be careful about your um, the humor that you're using? Because I know, for instance, with me, I've, I've run my humor by the client beforehand to make sure it was culturally competent. Yes. Actually, I would recommend asking the client this question mm-hmm. is what have previous speakers from the United States Mm -hmm. done or said to offend your audience so that you actually understand where you can be tripped up. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think you should find out, for example, you shouldn't go to Australia or New Zealand and talk about the NBA or the NFL. You should go there and find out about the the Sydney Swans or the New Zealand All Blacks Mm -hmm. so that you're actually talking to people in the culture. I did a, a keynote last year mm-hmm. in, in Tasmania where oh. I actually talked about tall poppies will be cut down, okay. which is a very Australian way of saying don't get too big for your boots and, mm. and got a huge applause from the audience mm-hmm. just for that one comment. Okay. So, so it's really important when we, when we leave these shores mm-hmm. to have done our homework and to be respectful and to listen to what people are saying to us. Mm-hmm. I think that's an amazing point. Now, let's say that someone is ready to take it to the next level. They know they have a high level of content. They're prepared to do their homework. Is there any way that you would suggest they go about maybe finding out about more international opportunities? 
Um, you mean asking for, for other work? Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. finding out like where, because some people really don't even know where to start where to, to speak start, in another right. country. Right. Well, I think there's two things. One is you speak to your NSA colleagues, mm-hmm. and you also speak to people in the different chapters of the Global Speaking Federation. Oh. And I think you also need to research who the speakers' bureaus are mm-hmm. within that country that you might want to speak at. But again, if you don't have the reputation, right. um, you, you can't, I think even at our International Day last year, um, somebody from Australia said, don't call me up and say, I'm coming to Australia, can I stay in your home? Uh, because I'm not, just because you're a fellow NSA doesn't mean I'm letting you into my house. Uh, so, yes, I, I think it does take having the credentials and the credibility to be able to, to sustain. Uh, I mean, for me, I've been incredibly privileged because I've won awards. Mm-hmm. My clients have won awards from the work I've done. Right. And then they give my name to other clients. So I did nearly four years of work in Australia because three clients won awards as a result of my work. So um, that's a privilege. I'm humbled by it, Mm -hmm. but I also know I I brought good work to the table. So So it sounds like if anyone's really interested at this point, you just told them, hey, number one, start looking at the other organizations that are part of the Global Speakers Federation, Mm -hmm. the Canadian version of NSA, which is called CAPS, and the ones all over the world. And for anyone listening, they even have their own conferences that... They you, know, do. you can apply to speak at those. You'll pay out of pocket typically. Yes. But if you're trying to get over there, right. that and might also be an attend the conferences. Yes. So not just speaking, but if you can, mm-hmm. go to the conference, meet people, network with them. And uh, of course, remember that you're speaking to your fellow speakers. Right. They can't necessarily hire you, right. but you're networking. And I would find out who the speakers' bureaus are in, in that area. That's, I mean, that's fabulous advice regarding the Speakers Bureau. So are there any other mistakes other than what we've already covered about not being culturally competent and not doing our homework that you see speakers making sometimes when they go overseas? Well, don't be a diva. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that we should recognize that we, number one, we tend to come across as privileged and entitled. Okay. Don't demand a, a glass of water. But mm-hmm. we don't want to come across as if they have to accommodate us all of the time. Mm-hmm. And I think here's one that might be a little bit of a bitter pill to swallow okay. is the idea that not everybody loves us as Americans. Right. So there's a lot of skepticism around the world. There's a lot of eye-rolling. Um, I remember when I first went to Australia to work and I acknowledged that I have a British accent. Mm-hmm. And the first senior leader I interviewed said to me, oh, he said, you're not an American. That's good. <laughs> And that was really sobering. I mean, it was good for me in the sense that he clearly was approving in the moment. It was kind of hurtful to think that there's a different perception of us. Mm -hmm. And if you can defy that stereotype Mm -hmm. that you're going to come in, assuming that the world is at your feet, assuming that the world is going to accommodate you, assuming there's a McDonald's or a Burger King on every corner, that that you're going to complain about the food or the hotel room being too small if it's the UK. So. (laughs) So so you can be a little bit of a diva and and that will not sit well with with the international clients. So we have to be flexible, it sounds like. Yes, yes. I love that. And then one last question for you, because there are people that are wondering, and also I think there's a lot of misinformation out there regarding fees. Mm. Do speaker fees look the same in all countries? Like a lot of people think if I get overseas, I can charge eight times as much as I do now. Do you mind speaking a little bit to your experience on that? Not exact numbers, but... Yes, I can speak to that, Crystal. That's not a problem. I mean, first of all, I believe 
believe that the, the fees in some countries are less mm -hmm. than they pay here. Uh, in other countries, they're equal. In fact, interestingly, I just had one of my clients say to me, we want to take one of your gender programs global. Mm -hmm. But Helen, we need the fees to be less in Asia and the UK and Europe mm -hmm. because after all, they don't pay as much. Right. Now, I said, well, I'm not sure that's accurate, mm -hmm. but let me reach out to my consultants. And when I reached out to my Asian colleague and she said, she said, you know, I'm a little bit tired of people from the United States assuming that, that here in Asia that we get paid less. Mm. She said, you know, I charge similar fees to you. Mm -hmm. And um, when people call up, clients call up and say, well, can you give me your Asian consulting rate? Oh. And that's uh, obviously doesn't sit very well. So, so again, it's about being respectful. It's mm -hmm. about doing your homework. What are the fees? What are people willing to pay? But my experience is nowadays, particularly in my field, mm -hmm. which is diversity and inclusion, that the fees are pretty much comparable. Okay. Okay. Well, Dr. Helen, I can't tell you what a treat it was to have you on Voices of Experience. And thank you for sharing what is obviously your expertise with over, was it five or six, six million, million air miles? Six right. million air miles. You have definitely racked up the air miles to teach us about this. Thank you so much, Dr. You're Helen. You're quite welcome, Crystal. It's a pleasure. Let's hear from one of our sponsors. Let me ask you something. Are you sick of the ebb and flow of revenue in your business? Are you tired of not having a process you can prioritize every day that guarantees results and scalability? What about all of the technology that's not working for you? SpeakerFlow is the only company geared towards helping speakers achieve predictable revenue by leveraging technology to get organized, get known, and get paid. Whether it's our CRM, consulting, or our mansion retreats, we've got you covered. Stop by speakerflow.com to schedule a free discovery call today. Now let's move a little closer to home and discover what we need to know about partnering with super associations. I am so excited to have Beth Z with us. Beth, some of you might know as your nerdy best friend, but something you may not know about Beth is that she claims that she has over 40 billion apps and she does about 70 gigs a year with about 67 of those being with associations. Beth, thank you so much for being with us. Well, thank you for inviting me. So you are one of the go-to people on what I call super associations. So it's the associations made up of association professionals. Can you tell us a little bit about why speakers should be aware of these and why should we care about super associations? I make my living in associations and most of the association work I've gotten is for speaking is because I speak for association executives. And associations, if you're in corporate, I know that a lot of people here are very successful in the corporate world, but if you're looking to get into associations, there's some serious differences between corporate and association. But the main thing is the passion that the association uh, staff has for their members. They'll say, my guys do this, my guys do that. And they have a real affinity for them. And second thing, is that they work by committee rather than making individual decisions. So when you're speaking for associations, and if you'd like some tips on that, we can go into that. When you're speaking for associations of associations, you have to remember that they're motivated by those things rather than what a corporate audience will be. So it sounds like there's a little bit more of a personal connection. Um, the way that you approach it is pretty different. Can you give us some examples of some of the bigger super associations that we should be aware of? 
The biggest one out there, uh, at least in the U.S., is the American Society of Association Executives, ASAE. And then there are meeting planners associations, which are very similar, but they'll also include some corporate meeting planners. And ASAE has what they call affiliates, so almost every state has its own Society of Association Executives. So when we're talking about the meeting planner ones, what are some examples of the meeting planner associations? Meeting Planners International, MPI, is one of the biggest ones. There's one called PCMA, PCMA, I don't know, there's convention in there somewhere. Okay. And PCMA, I haven't really gotten into, but I speak for MPI a lot, and I speak for the SAEs and sometimes ASAE a lot. So here's where things get interesting, because I've heard people that aren't necessarily in your world but want to get there talk about fees. Now, do these organizations pay fees to speakers? Sometimes. Um, Some of them will not pay, and you have to pay, and you have to buy your way, but I have made my living from those entities. Like ASAE, Mm. you're lucky to get in, you're lucky to get invited, very rarely will they pay very rarely will they cover expenses and most of the time you can expect to pay now that's not true for the state associations Hmm. i've gotten a full fee from state associations but i also have a bottom line fee for state associations so i say i can't do this for any less because they talk to each other tons they have their own association of associations just for the heads of the state association wait wait there's there's an association for the association heads of the associations yes i think my head just blew up i know and that's one of the (laughs) secrets right so this association of association executives goes all over the place and there's some interesting Mm. things you can look There is an association of people who had chiropractic associations. There's an association of people who had realtor associations. And they have their own conferences. They have their own situations. They will pay, and you will get in front of 200 people or 100 people or 50 people who hire people for their conferences. But there's a twist. And I don't mean to go on and on, but Uh-oh. i got to tell you what, about the wait, twist. Wait, what's the twist? What's the twist? When you're in front of association executives, you need to speak to their jobs, their problems, and they might not be the same. In fact, they're frequently not the same as their members' jobs and problems. Mm. So you have to get them to picture you in front of their groups. So if you're speaking to the Automobile Association Executive Association, you, you get what I'm saying. Right, right. <laughs> if you're speaking to the automobile group, right, mm-hmm. you're speaking to them about their daily problems of dealing with members and things like that. But then you say things like, and when I'm speaking in front of your members, I tell mm-hmm. them this, and this is the way we look at it. But for you guys, and you, because sometimes they don't make the jump, and you ah. speak for these association of association executives, and you're like, why am I not getting gigs? And sometimes it's because they can't make the leap of seeing you in front of their people. Sometimes you get off the stage and you're rushed. You get five gigs. The first time I did this well, Mm -hmm. I got five gigs before I got home. Wow. I was crying with happiness. That's what launched me. But other times, you can speak for them, and they're not making the transition because they can't see you. you they appreciate what you said to them, mm-hmm. but you haven't made the connection of them and the industry. So when you're speaking to these executives or these planners, it sounds like what you're saying then is that 
you almost have to do dual role. So you're mm-hmm. speaking to them so that they're enjoying the talk so that it's relevant to them, but you have to keep reminding them of what you're capable of for their members and how the information might apply to their members or how you might present differently to their members. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And I'm going to give you another kind of secret area that's associations of associations. Ooh, secret. Do you want to hear Beth's juicy secret? Tune in next week. Oh, you knew it was coming when Beth will be back to tell us a specific type of super association event that has the ability to supercharge your speaker calendar with new gigs. Thank you for tuning in to Voices of Experience, the podcast of the National Speakers Association. Catch us on your favorite podcast app, YouTube, and NSA's social media profiles. Remember, sharing is caring and rating isn't hating. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.